Father God, you're an awesome God. And we just thank you that we have this these few days that we can kind of come apart, slow down, fellowship, and also spend time in your word, and also learn some ideas, some techniques, some suggestions of how we can be even more effective in our witness in the very place where we live. Thank you, Lord, for your love today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, so we want to close the back door before there's even one. Help yourself to notes. Um, you will forgive us for leaving the window open. There will be a little distracting noise there, but the air outside is considerably cooler than inside. Um, yes, yeah, that's true. So we talked a little bit about this previously, but why do you want people to join your church? What are you looking for? We all say we want to grow our church, right? Some of us feel like our church is getting smaller rather than bigger. So, but what is the motivation? What's the reason that you want your church to grow? And there could be several reasons. Uh, is it just for the sake of having numbers? You know, there are more people, more fun, more activities, more, more whatever. Is that really what it's about? Is it, and yesterday I think we said it's not about members or numbers, it's about discipleship, really, isn't it? More people following Jesus. That's really what we want. Or could it be as a way to increase our offering base? I, you know, it gets heavy, right? So if we had more people, then of course our load might be a little less. Is that reason enough to want to grow your church? Um, how about this one? We're, we're tired of carrying all the load, doing all the duties, um, all the cleaning up and setting up and tearing down and putting away. And you know, there's a lot that goes to running a program. And it's true that sometimes if you added 50 people, it really wouldn't change the work much, right? I mean, if you're setting for 30 people to set for 60, it's not that much more have plates, you're ready to go, you know, whatever. Um, so is that the reason that we want to grow the church? So we have to think about this as we think about this. So how do we build a church with a guest and member-friendly environment? And uh, you know what? I'm starting you on the wrong one here. I said it was about relationships, so let's talk about that, right? My bad. We'll be back about relationships. I'd like to tell you a quick story that I just heard over at the display. 1977, this lady had lost four children, four miscarriages. Wow, we even lock them now. Four miscarriages. And so she was really down and out, and God led her to watch the It Is Written program in 1977. We started in 56, right? 1977. She liked what she heard. Her husband was a police officer, and so he was sleeping. And so she said, literally, I was this close to the television. Of course, they were smaller then and not as loud. She said, I'm this close to the television, and I'm watching this thing. And at the end, she said, I'm trying to figure out what church this is. She was interested. She wanted to know how she could learn more about whatever this guy was talking about. And she said, I could never find any anything other than apparently she responded to the, remember, there's always a book offer or something offered, so she responded, and she read, she said, I read every one of those things as they came, every one of them as they came. And she said, I asked for somebody to come and meet with me and do Bible studies. And she said, I never got my Bible studies. And finally, 
This is her story. She said one day after several months, not an uncommon story, by the way, after several months, this guy shows up at her house. Now, remember, this lady is not as tall as I. You know, she's about this tall, like you. And this guy shows up. He's seven foot one. That's what she told me. Seven foot one. And he says, I'm here with your Bible studies. Believe it or not, she went ahead with whatever she did. And since then, she's been rejoicing in the Lord and growing and has served in different capacities. And she stood there and said, I'm still excited about what I've learned all those years ago, and I love to share it with other people. What do we do to build relationships with people? That's the thing. People need people. By the way, especially for our church, we understand that nobody joins this church or becomes part of this church on a long-term basis without Bible study, right? I was kind of surprised when I heard that the first time. Either we study the Bible individually, we can study it in our closet, we can study it you know, online, we can study it through some sort of public meetings, we can study, but it's Bible study that, that holds people ideologically together. Man, this is interesting. Um, so today we're going to talk about relationships. How do we build those kinds of relationships? And as you have your notes, it's, it's uh, building lasting friendships, practical ways. So there's seven P's we want to look at today, seven P's. And the first one is to pray. God hears prayer, doesn't he? And even the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to Philemon, he said, making mention of thee or you always in my prayers. God does things when people pray. Um, we heard David Chin there this morning talk about they did a series of meetings and they spent five hours every other day praying specifically over the names they had registered of the people coming to those meetings. Do you think it made a difference? Five hours it took because there were so many names and so on, but try, trying to be specific with each one. God hears when we pray. We hold up children, grandchildren, friends, relatives, interests. It's amazing what prayer does to transform people's lives. Notice this one. I have prayed for thee. Luke 22, verse 32. That was Jesus speaking, right? I have prayed for thee. With your new friend, anyone you're trying to, to uh, mentor, let's call it, we need to pray for them. We want them to pray for us too, right? But if we pray for them, what does that do? It, it bonds us together. It gives us a, a compassion, a concern, a, a sense of camaraderie, a feeling with them. And it makes a huge, huge difference. So the second P, first P is pray. And we can't overemphasize that enough. We could spend all day on that. But moving on to another P would be person. We live in a digital age. And it's amazing what we can do digitally, right? We can do like this. I mean, I can show you things very easily instead of just telling you things. Digitally, we can do a lot. We can communicate. We can send messages. We can Facebook. We can, you know, there's so many ways. We can stream the program so people can watch it without being present. 
banking. Are you doing your banking online now? No? Tell me, why is it now when you go into the bank, they are ultra-friendly? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? They may have somebody in a suit and tie just to greet you. Really? At the bank? There's something about relationships. No matter how much we do digitally, we still want relationships at the end of the day. We want to talk to somebody. How many times have you heard somebody say, I called and I could never get a person? All kinds of machines, all kinds of messages, all kinds of push this number, push that number, but not a person. Because you wanted a person. You knew a person could help you. Where the other might not. Same with us dealing in the church. People want to be personally impacted. They want a personal relationship. Now I know some people have more of the gift of hospitality, if you call it that, than others. But we can all be friendly. We can all reach out. We can all talk to somebody. We can all ask someone why, what brought them here. I'll ask, ask them something. We're going to talk more about some of the specific things that you might use to start a conversation. But we can all do something. I know all, some of us are more gifted than others. Um, so you could, so you're meeting, let's say you're meeting someone at the, at the sanctuary, at the church. They're coming in. You recognize them as someone that you don't regularly see. So you could suggest that you contact them sometime later in the week. Hey, it's great to have you here. I realize you're just new in our community. I'd be happy to meet with you on Tuesday and have lunch. What do you think? Would that work for you? What's, what are they going to respond? Either yes or, well, no, I can't. I work then. Oh, so what do you do? And you have a conversation going. Then you say, well, I could do it Wednesday night then instead of Tuesday morning or whatever. You follow what I'm saying? So you're just trying to interact. And you making offers, it's easier for them to, obviously they can decline your offer, but you've, you've tried. And it makes a big difference. Um, in the book of Acts, it's amazing how they prayed together with one accord. They agreed and this is what somebody was talking as we began here, what prayer meetings should be like. You know, we should be praying in one accord. People we're thinking about, we're working for, people we're contacting. We can bring reports. Um, I remember when I was pastoring in the Williamston Church, we had a lady coming to church regularly who was new. She was somewhat elderly, really, at the time. And I, as pastor, would bring reports of what I was finding as I tried to visit our members who didn't come to church, our people who didn't come to church. And I remember this dear lady, she would say to me over and over again, she would say, Pastor, I don't get it. The feast is here, and they don't come for it. Why do you waste your time and energy going to them? Pretty valid argument, really. But my point is, our prayer meeting, as it was small, our prayer meeting was a wonderful time for us to encourage and build up and help each other and pray for each other, pray for those who, who needed that prayer. 
So a time and place where we can meet together. Those who meet together for prayer, someone has written, will receive an unction from the Holy One. Notice it's capital H, so that's the Holy Spirit. There is great need for secret prayer, but then skipping down a sentence or two it says, but there is also need for several Christians to meet together and unite with earnestness their petitions to God. There's something about praying together for a common objective that moves the gates of heaven. We can't explain it, but somehow God honors that kind of of commitment. Just that we take the time, we put the energy and the thought into it, it makes a difference. Person, we're talking about dealing with people. How do we recognize them and remember them? So in your notes, I think you have this, the Acts format for prayer. This is not an outline of how one should pray. This is just an idea, an acronym, that you can use as a way to bring variety to your prayer and meaning, perhaps. So every prayer should have some adoration in it, right? God is an awesome God. Do you mind if I try closing this again? You read the Psalms. You read some of the Old Testament writings, of course. Okay. Um, There's a lot of adoration in the Bible, isn't there? A lot of adoration in the Bible. And so we can use that, or we can, of course, create our own. In the worship service, those who of you who have prayers in the worship service, there should be adoration in those prayers too, right? Why should it be different? This is our corporate worship. Bring in adoration. We, the God we serve is an awesome God, a powerful God. And let's, let's not hesitate to remind ourselves of that. It's meaningful. And then, of course, we can move to confession. Do we need confession? <laughs> we are all faulty, aren't we? We're, we're fully trusting. That's, that's our calling, is to be fully submitted and committed to God. But we stumble and we fall. We have a human nature. And so confession is important. You can read the prayers of kings in the Old Testament. They confess the sins of their people. Uh, Even though they may have been excellent leaders, they still were able and willing to confess on behalf of their people. Then, of course, the third one is thanksgiving. And unfortunately, this one we tend to be short often on, right? Thank you for, and we go right on. And we often don't give much thought to it, but... We need to be giving a lot of thought to thanksgiving, don't we? Adoration and thanksgiving probably are the two where we tend to be a little bit uh, frugal uh, rather than generous. Thanksgiving, we have so much to be grateful for, right? If you don't think so, I would invite you to come with me to Madagascar or some other developing country. Amazing, amazing tell you my story about 
prosperity, what we have. I came back from overseas to the Charlotte, no, it was the St. John's Church, and uh, it was in the fall, summer, fall. We did the community services food basket thing, right, for the those who needed it, working with the community services leader. And so we divvied it up, you know, larger families, smaller families, whatever, each family. And then the community services leader says to me, the new pastor, recently returned from Madagascar, now, she said, I will go and call, and they will come and get it. There's two things wrong with that. What is it? How would you call them? These are poor people. Poor people have a phone? They will come? Poor people? They will come? They have a vehicle? Or the capacity to come? I wasn't used to that. Poor people. My wife still has the shirt. Our daughter's name is Teresa. She was a little thing then. Lady begged for one of Teresa's dresses. And my wife said, I'll give you a dress on the condition that you give me your daughter's dress. So we still have the daughter's dress. We've never washed it. Because if we did, there'd probably be nothing. Because she had only one dress. I'm talking about a little girl. She had only one dress. She wore it day and night. And when you wear your clothes at night, you wear the shoulders right through. <laughs> Do we have anything to be thankful for? How many of you had lunch today? Did you worry about whether you'd be able to have lunch today? Did you have to go fishing or go searching out in the woods here somewhere to find something to eat? Do you have much to be thankful for? But for the grace of God, we would have been born there, right? And we'd have had that same circumstance. So Thanksgiving, let's be generous with it as we deal with people. And, you know, when we rejoice together, somehow that in and of itself pulls us together. We complain together. What does that do? It separates us, doesn't it? Nobody likes complainers. But everybody likes happy, rejoicing, you know, grateful people. We love being around those kind of people. People who are just happy to be alive. Happy for what God has done for them. Some people, you ask them how they are, and what's their response? Well, how many hours do you have to listen? I have this, and I have that, and this happened to me. And other people, how are you? Oh, God is so good. I've, I'm really blessed. And then you find out more, and they have aches and pains, and they have children who have problems, and they have financial issues, and they have, but they didn't tell you that first. Is there a difference? Which people do you want to be around? So Thanksgiving is a major thing. And then, of course, there's room for us to ask God. Um, we heard that powerfully this morning. No, last night it was. Pastor Finley preached about asking and how God wants to do amazing things, right? God wants to do amazing things for us. So we can ask, but we need to make sure that we're not asking for ourselves, right? God will take care of us if we ask for other people, if we try to help other people. There are times to ask for our own needs, of course. But largely, if we focus on how can we be an instrument, a conduit to help or bless someone else, God will certainly provide 
those things, won't he? So it's an easy acronym, ACTS, A-C-T-S. So you have adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Somebody here said you've, you've seen this before, of course, and most of us probably have. But it's a, a good thing to remember in this sense of, of sharing with people. Now here's a little caution. Be careful not to push new people too fast. Now, all of us have have been studying our Bible, we've been growing, we've been learning certain things, but not everybody's at that same point, right? And so, be careful with people who are, are new in their love for the Lord. Take them carefully. Take them slowly. Um, let them grow. Let them mature. Um, We've all dealt with children. Every one of us probably in this room has dealt with children at some point, some level. We don't hasten their growth. I mean, we're always excited when they grow, right? But we're patient with them. They don't talk right away. They can't even make noises at first. But we're patient with them. Let that happen in your church growth, too. Let those people come in and, and, and be babies. Let's call it that. And then let them grow. The Bible even talks about that. You know, that there's nourishment for the new people that others might be ready for more, but we have to be careful with those new people. So be careful not to go too fast. Don't push people. Um, be careful your conversation, that lunchtime out. Let them do a lot of the talking. Don't try to teach them everything you've ever learned in your 50 years walking with the Lord. They're not ready for that. They're still getting started, getting a little traction. Well, we could go there. It sure does. It sure does. All churches have issues, right? Something somewhere. A little dirty laundry. Um, God's working with us. Pastor Bradshaw will say to you, um, of course, no church is perfect, number one, right? But number two, even if it was, please don't join it, because then it wouldn't be. (laughs) So we're all growing. We're growing. So here's the point you were bringing up. Um, It's easy sometimes to share material that is controversial in some way or another. Um, There may be a time and place for that, but be careful with people who are just getting started because that could turn them away instead of turning them them forward. Um, Any of us who've done sales, we understand how carefully you have to lead people through the decision process. You give them time, you give them information, but appropriate information. They ask questions, you try to answer those questions, but not create more problems in the answer. And so that's what you're doing here. You're you're protecting them. They're infants. You don't give infants orange juice, right? It's good juice. You drink it. But the infant can't, right? Same thing here. It's good stuff, perhaps, but it may not be the right time. So we have to be very, very prayerful and careful about that. And they put it here in this way, don't be found doing the work of the enemy. 
and we're just talking about that going too fast, talking about criticism, negative things, or things that create disunity or disharmony instead of harmony. We want to draw things together instead of pushing them apart. All right. Next P is phone them. Uh, everybody today, it seems, has a phone. I think I met one person over here that says they only have a landline. Uh, is that amazing? I haven't even had the landline for a while. But everybody has a phone. And most of us don't mind texting. Anybody here that doesn't text at all? Not at all? Really? Really? And you have children? I'm amazed, Melissa. <laughs> yeah. Well, I started texting because my kids said I had to. You know what I'm saying? In order, if you're going to communicate. Yeah. So anyway, you can still use it as a phone, right? It's a computer, but it still does work as a phone. And so you can call them, uh, people. And so, you know, you can pray over the phone. Have you ever thought of that? (laughs) (laughs) Done it? Mm -hmm. So you can call this person and say, hey, what if we would meet, um, Phyllis, for example, my wife, has an appointment on Wednesday to talk to a certain person and have prayer with them. They missed it today. (laughs) Somehow they both had things and it didn't fit. But not a problem that they missed. But the point is, it gives you a reason to connect. A reason to connect. A reason to talk to that person. Or you can text them if they text. And of course, you can ask them that. Yes, exactly so. Yep. He's trying to keep a little air, but it'll go both ways, so it's hard to say. But the point is, use the phone as a way... Did you want to say something? Yes. My daughter, for quite a period of time, somehow she's kind of gotten away from it at this moment, but about once a week, she would send a little text. I don't know who else she was sending it to, and that's okay. Is there anything I could pray for you today? Is there anything I could pray about for you today? Now that touches your heart. Simple as that. See, these are things that we just have to think about And, of course, we have to develop some sort of relationship with that person or we won't have their number. But once we've developed a little bit of relationship to where we're trying to make that appointment for lunch or whatever, we're going to get their number. And little by little, we can have these different ways to communicate with them. And, of course, voicemail still works, especially on most of these cell phones. You can leave a message that way. Um, you can share with them some little thing. Uh, I played for you the every word yesterday. That's just a little one-minute thing. You can send them a link for something like that. Hey, here's an encouraging thought I heard this morning. Thought you might like. So there's lots of ways that you can use the phone as a way to encourage. Now, I know some churches are using something like one call. There are other methods where they have a whole church directory and they can send everyone a message at the same time. That's great. That's great. I think I mentioned yesterday one pastor sends an email. I think there's a system called One Call. 
you can put as many numbers into it or up to a certain number of numbers into it. And the message goes to all those people. Is it a phone call or just a text type? Actually, a phone message. Okay. Uh, email. That's another whole way you can communicate with people. They may have email. and Use email a lot. Send them an email. Tell them whatever you want to tell them. It's that you love them, you're thinking about them, or you didn't see them last Sabbath, you'd like to see them this, you know, whatever it is. Um, little ways of keeping in touch. There's one, text them a scripture passage that you were blessed by. Just a little thing. But you thought of them. See, that's the big issue. It's not so much even what you say as that you thought of them. You remembered them. You noticed um, I mentioned yesterday, you know, every once in a while I hear from my church and they know where I am and what I'm doing, but it's still encouraging to know that somebody recognized that I'm not there. So, important stuff. Then this one is play, another P, play. So, there are different ways that we can socialize. We've talked a little bit about the after-service luncheon. Um, that's a great way to be together. Then, of course, uh, some churches have like a, what do they call it, a fellowship committee or a social committee. Um, it's interesting, the particular church I'm in, they have trouble finding a social committee leader. That's, that's kind of surprising, but it's true. <laughs> I don't know why that's true, but it, it, it happens. Um, yes. So, playing together, finding different ways, doing little social activities. We mentioned the other day, doing something in the afternoon with people, going out of doors. Um, people have time. They want to do something. And if they're going to be part of your church, they might as well be friends with people within your church congregation. Otherwise, we just go our separate ways. Um, now, Carolyn and Walt here, you know, you do a lot of music at your church, right? So that's something that pulls them together. By the way, Walt here is from Lansing. He plays the bagpipes. So it'd be neat if sometime we could hear him play. I was thinking about that. I should have had you bring your bagpipes. Could have played for us today. <laughs> so Carolyn, I should introduce, is, is our neighbor. Yeah, yes. Carolyn was our neighbor when we lived in Langsburg, Michigan. And we've kept up all these years. And she came up with Walt. They're from the Methodist Church in downtown Lansing. And they came up special to see us and to be here today. So we're glad to have them. Give them a special welcome. So how can you socialize? What are some of the ideas that you have? What, what are some of the things you could do just to be friendly? Here's a, a thought about camping. You know, if you like camping... Well, you have to ask them, of course, if they like or do such a thing. I see some of you who are older are probably saying, no, 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 that's not me. And that's fine. But for those who can, uh, our youngest son now and his wife, they have an eight-week-old baby, but they like camping so much, they're talking about camping with the baby, of course. <laughs> you can't leave the baby at home. Yeah, start them young, that's it. Bonfire, great way, yeah. Play games. Most people like to play games. So it doesn't take a lot of work to put together some social things. We can do them at our house, we can do them at the church, we can do them at school, we can do them 
wherever, it doesn't really matter. But to think about, here's a single person. What would they be interested in? What might they be interested in? Of course, we talked about that a little bit the other day. You know, We have to be careful. The man-woman situations, we don't want to create problems. But if we can find a way to incorporate those people in the right groups, we can strengthen the bonds and we can find their skills. We can tap into those to help to build and strengthen and grow our church. Yes? I'm in age 20 years ago and I've always been grateful that being single, they, uh, husband and wife would always invite me over lunch or dinner and that felt really good. Yes. I don't know, it's just, you don't see that very often. I know people just don't want a single person in dating or whether insecurities or whatever. But it felt like family. It's probably more that people just don't invite people much anymore. Let's ask here. I've always felt that you don't see the person just like Yep, yep, no, that's true. That's true, too. How many people here, let's, if you don't mind, how many people here have had someone to your house in the last month? Somebody that, see, there's a few, wonderful, wonderful. So uh, this is an important thing, you know, this hospitality, how we know people when we fellowship, when we share, when we socialize in that way, it raises the bar. We know people in a whole different way. Um, I know Carolyn pretty well, for example. She's come all the way to Florida to visit us and spend time at our home and so on. So, yes, that's true. So, you know, we get to know. I, I can give it to you. We have an open bedroom, by the way. It's on Airbnb. No. So here's the suggestion. If they're not into camping and physical activities, you could invite them to dinner. Uh, either out to dinner or at your house to dinner. But really, it's true. It's true. Anyone uh, likes to eat, right? And so if you can find the right thing, yeah, we have to eat. That's true. So eating, of course, is a, an obvious fellowship, association. I don't know if it's play, but it, it gets close to that. Um, spending time together. That's what we're really talking about today, building relationships. Um, and then, of course, you can talk when you do these things, right? You can talk. You can tell your story. You can ask their story. And you, you find those places of intersection where their experience, their pathway may be similar to your pathway, and the bonds become stronger and stronger. And therefore, harder and harder to break, right? Harder and harder to break. How about this one? The pen. The pen is mightier than the sword. We talked about the phone a moment ago, but now the pen. Um, not used much, is it? Everything is pre-printed and provided. When was the last time you got a letter from someone just because? Just because. We shake our heads. Yeah. And I'm not accusing anybody. I haven't written those letters in a while either. But how much would a just a note or a letter or something, a postcard or whatever to someone, what would that say to them? Volumes. 
something besides junk mail. I tease my wife all the time. The mail is common. Somebody needs to go get it, and I'll say, but why? It's just junk mail, right? Maybe a bill, mostly now junk mail. Uh, but if something came from somebody, boy, you open that in a hurry, right? Yeah. And look at her smile as she tells the story. See? So this new person at church, if they got a note, now they may expect it from the pastor, you know, or something formal from the church. Thank you for being at our church today. It was so wonderful to have you, blah, blah. Uh, that's great. That's great. Probably should be done. But imagine if they got it from Cindy that they had lunch with at the fellowship meal. Now it's different. Because they have a whole different bond with Cindy than they do even with the pastor or whomever the greeter was or whomever. Um, so here's some ideas. You know, you can send cards for occasions. Um, birthdays, of course, is an obvious one, but any time is a good time. Uh, kids, parents' birthdays, anniversaries are obvious, graduations, funerals, holidays. We might think of any of those, but... What about in addition to that or outside of that? There's no reason not to send a note anytime. Yeah. Great idea. Write that one down. Write that one down. Church sending Valentine cards on Valentine's Day to the single widow widowers. Yeah. Great idea. Great idea. So there are lots of ideas that we could come up with, right, if we think about it. Again, we just have to be creative and think about it. These things just things happen. Life happens in our churches, and, and we don't focus on what we can do, and it costs almost nothing except a moment of time. And that's what people want, right? Is to know that somebody gave them a moment of time. They remembered them. They thought about them. They prayed for them, whatever it may be. Then we go to the personal computer, the PC, another P. Um, of course, sharing digital media. There's all kinds of things. You know, you watch a movie or a video or a short program or something on Facebook. You can share that with people. And the fact that you thought of me when you saw the program says to me that I may not appreciate that the way you did, but at least you thought of me. Somebody thought of me. And that in and of itself, of course, is, is really the message here. Obviously, I may appreciate that message. I may grow from it. Um, so the Internet can be a great way of connecting. We mentioned email. Of course, mass emails are one thing. But again, a personal email addressed to somebody that you're thinking of gives a whole different message. The pen and the email are about the same probably in today's world, right? Uh, as far as impact. Nice thing about the handwritten or the penciled note is that people keep it laying around. 
right? Put it in a basket or somewhere on the fridge. And they have it for a period of time. Or the email, they kind of, that's one of the next 50. But still, it's something. It, it needs to be done. It can be done. And it's powerful and effective. Um, all right, how about this one? <laughs> Anybody here not on Facebook? Okay, we got, oh, we got several. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's where I am. I'm on Facebook, but that's about it. Yeah. But a lot of people are, especially, of course, the younger generation, generally speaking. And so it's a fantastic way to share messages sometimes. And, of course, there is Facebook Messenger that's private, so you can send a message privately, so not everybody's having to see that message, right? So depending on what you're wanting to share or say, you can do it specifically to a person, so they're the only one who sees it. Um, so that's another thing. A few things to remember. Um, respect their privacy and opinions. We're talking about new people. We're trying to keep people, build relationships that are meaningful. Um, and here comes the balance now. How do we respect people's opinions and their privacy and yet be their friend and try to help them? That's where we have to pray a lot, right? Because sometimes we have to just kind of bite our tongue and say, well, you know, yeah, I don't agree, but that's all right. We can still be friends, right? It doesn't have to be barrier between. Yes, agree to disagree. We may be wrong, actually, even though we think we're right. They may be right, and we are wrong. So let's not be too hard with our opinions. We all love the Lord. We want to follow him. We're seeking to know him better. That's what unites us. That's what's growing our church. That's what's growing us as Christians. And we agree on that, right? Um, I remember when I was pastoring, counseling a lady, she was asking about a very specific theological issue. And we discussed it. And I think she agreed with the way I agreed, the way I saw it, I mean. And But at the end, I said to her, now, sister, look, we may be wrong. We may both be wrong. The truth may actually be the truth of the Bible. The scriptural teaching may actually be somewhere else. But we can still be friends. We can still work together. We can still be one in Christ. We can still grow and continue to grow together, right? Don't let this thing, even if... Whatever, don't let this thing separate us. And to my knowledge, she's still hanging in there, and I am too. So, it's a good message for most of us, right? It's so easy for us to let little things separate us. Oh, she doesn't, or he doesn't. And so, that becomes a wedge, a barrier. Instead of saying, well, of course he doesn't. Nobody sees things the way I do. My way is always the right way. I mean, we all know that. But you guys don't agree. I don't understand you, you know. And so we, we, we resist. It builds barriers. But if we can think we're in love with Jesus, we've submitted and committed our life to him, we're wanting to follow his path and his way. We want to be saved in his kingdom. 
they want that just as much as I want it, even though they see things, whatever this is we're focusing on, they see it differently. Ultimately, we want the same thing, right? So why should we? And there are many illustrations of that in Jesus' life here on earth, right? They brought him the woman caught in adultery. I've often said, of course, they should have brought him two people, not one. But Jesus had a lot of things he could have focused on to have said to to the people, get her out of here, get him out of here, you know, let's be through with this. But he didn't. Instead, he tried to heal her, spiritually speaking, right? He tried to put her back together. At the same time, he tried to put everybody back together. He tried to help those that had brought her to see what their problems were so that they could come and find the healing that she was experiencing. Amazing story, really. But how do we deal with differences? Jesus had there a perfect example of how he could have related to that situation differently, but instead he tried to fix it. He tried to heal. He tried to apply compassion and love and sympathy and healing. So, how about this one? Attempting to correct somebody via the Internet. If it's on the internet, it's true. You can find almost anything on the internet, right? Yes, no, yes, black, white, yellow, green, anything on the internet. And no matter what it is, you can find opposite or opposing views. Seems like almost without exception. So don't use the internet much. Very carefully as a way to persuade someone as to whatever. Um, remember, they're still growing. We've talked about that. Potluck. So a guest comes to your church. There's a potluck Sabbath. It's announced from the front. I'm that visitor. The you know, potluck is announced from the front. And I'm speaking from experience. Am I going to go to that potluck if no person asks me to come? The answer is no, I will not. If no person invites me to come, I'll not come, even though it was announced from the front. Everybody's welcome, our guests are all welcome. Well, if I'm welcome, then somebody should tell me so. Right? Wouldn't you agree? Right. Yes, there you are. Can you possibly stay? I'd be happy to come and eat with you. And we're right across there, and I'm headed there now. Yeah. I can't say that, but you can. That's powerful. Yeah. I made extra dishes. I was thinking of you when, when I prepared this. I knew somebody like you would be here. Come. Yeah. Very, very good. You let the visitors go through first. And usually there's a member with them. So... So they're sitting down so somebody can see their suspicion. They don't look lost. But she said something key. The visitors go through first. That's fine. But she said there's a member with them. Usually we send the guests through first, alone. Now the guests go and they sit together. We can't sit. I mean, if they sit together, we can't sit, even sit with them now because they're together. So it's really better to find a way that somebody is with each of those. It's good to let them go first, 
but we need somebody to be with them, to sit with them, to eat with them, to get to know them, to chat. So do invite personally people to that fellowship meal, one way or another, if you possibly Good point. Take advantage, she said, of inviting people to other events that the church is planning. So this event, this meeting is over, but on Wednesday night we're doing this. On Friday night there will be this, on you know, whatever day. And invite them, make sure they feel invited to a specific event. Very, very good, very good. Um, Yeah, this is good, too. Invite them to stay for lunch when they first enter the church. In other words, you're thinking about them right from the beginning. That they, They're guests. They need to be staying. So invite them right away. And this suggests that you know if you've made some connection with that person, when the worship hour is over, try to get with them and, so to speak, lead them by the hand to, to, the, to, the, to the meal. That way you're with them. You're chatting. You're, you're, they're connected already. And they feel comfortable because they have a friend. Everybody likes a friend, right? I have a question. Yep. What if the church is so big, if you don't know who's visiting you tonight, or anyone you, I mean, we, we visitors and people raise their hand and give them a little bit. Good. That's the challenge of the big church. Now, most of us here probably aren't part of big churches, but that is the challenge of the big church. And it's a real challenge. A real challenge because, you know, people come to big churches for many reasons. They're not necessarily wanting to become part of it. I mean, obviously you have those who are. Many people are passing through. They're there for some event. They're there for a training or a seminar or whatever, and they're just there for church. But those may be the very people that need a lunch, you know, because they have no place to go. Uh, so that's a real challenge for the big church and has to be really studied. I don't have many suggestions. But most of us are in fairly small churches where that's not a major issue. That's right. Yep. I have to do that in my church. You know, I travel so much that, so I'll say to people, you know, I don't remember seeing you here before. You've probably been here more than I have, but and we'll start a conversation. Um, that's really my truth. So, how to start a conversation. Talk about something that's going on today. Try and just get them started. Um, you can ask them something about what they do. I usually just say to them, what keeps you busy other than when you're here? You know, and, and they'll say, whatever, you know, kids or whatever it is, and you're started. Uh, place they're from, married, family, going somewhere, working on a degree. You know, what are they doing? What are, What's a... Uh, another way, of course, interests, hobbies, what do you like to do? Um, if we could do something this afternoon, what kind of things do you like to do? And then you can adapt that to whatever you have to offer, maybe. Uh, current events, obviously, stay away from politics if you want a suggestion. But other current events you could talk about quite comfortably, perhaps. Um, and then, of course, you can, you can tell, what's that? Yeah, the weather is a great one. That's a cultural thing we talked about a little bit yesterday. Um, in Madagascar, you wouldn't talk about the weather. What would you talk about? Family. Family. And by the way, in that culture, it's very polite to ask a gentleman about his wife. Now here, that's you got to be careful. But there, it's very polite to ask the gentleman, so how is your wife? 
because health is a major issue. <laughs> it's not to be assumed that somebody's well. And so you ask, how's the wife? How's the kids? Everybody well? That's the conversation starter there, not the weather. Because the weather there is like it was yesterday and like it was the day before. <laughs> so, but how are you today? How's the wife? How's the children? You know, then, of course, you're on your way to whatever it is. All right, share about yourself. Yes, you want to tell them something about yourself? Yeah. Um, my wife's away today, you know, whatever. My three kids or whatever. Um, by the way, some of us choose not to wear a wedding band and... That may be an issue for some people and working with people, whatever. It doesn't have to be. Make it very simple. If you're married, it's very easy to just say something about your spouse, and it's all over. Okay? If you're not, then, of course, you deal with it however you choose to deal with it. But for those that are married, um, that works that way. My wife was just at the door, by the way. <laughs> Fort, you're familiar with this one, I'm sure. Family, occupation, religion, and your testimony, why you love the Lord, why you're following him. Relationships. Very little happens in this world without relationships. Think about it. How do you get your job? Usually it's some relationship. Networking, we call it today. Relationships. In the church, we probably don't focus as much as we should on relationships. Building relationships between us. Um, this thing of fellowship, this thing of finding ways to bond in our churches is tremendously important. God will bless us as we put effort into that because we do need each other, even to the point of saying we should have accountability partners, if you know what I mean by that. Great thing if you can make it happen in your church. Relationships. Let's pray. Father God, Thank you that you made us social beings. You made us to need one another. This afternoon we've talked about a few practical ways that we can strengthen relationships. Help us as we try to apply these things in our everyday life, in our families, but especially as we focus on our church families. Give us wisdom. Give us grace. Give us love for those who may not be so lovely. We pray in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.